Welcome to From the Back Tees, a podcast where we tee it up from the back every week. Welcome to the From the Back Tees podcast. Today is Tuesday, March 30th. I'm with the guys. And boys, if your bracket wasn't busted in March Madness, it was definitely bra- busted in this WGC. Billy Horschel with the shocking win, to say the least. Crazy. I mean, but like how many like 40s and 50s and 60s, I guess 30 seeds were there late? Like, holy hell. I think it was the 30, 31, 32, or 31, 32, 33 in the final four. Right. I think John Rahm was the only top tenner, to top top 20 to yeah, make it. Rahm was the only top seed to move to the, on. To, yeah, out of group stage. Um, yeah, I think Fleetwood was the next um, highest at 21. So, crazy. And uh, Horsa was 80 to 1 to start the week. Wow. It was crazy. And that that final match, though, was not quality golf, to say the least. I think (laughs) after the second hole, none of them had a birdie. Yeah, I mean, classic Sunday golf, right? Where, you know, it was a grind fest. And, I mean, give the course conditions a little credit. I guess it was was windy, (laughs) really windy. Um, I guess I felt like it did maybe actually die down a little on them. Um, in that final match, but Saturday afternoon was like 20 miles an hour constant gusts up to like 35. Um, but yeah, I, good for Horsell. Um, I was kind of pulling for Scheffler there to get his first win, you know, rookie of the year. He's a great player. He's, you know, went to college at UT. So there was some familiarity there, but you know, the Christian Bale lookalike, as I like to call Billy Horschel, got it That's done. It's the hair. It's the hair. Christian Bale. I love yeah, he, it. He looks like Batman, dude. Uh, there was also, like, so many sh- complete, like, shockers. Outside of the guys who got beat by other people playing well, I was shocked by Victor Hovland. The guy's been playing, like, elite-level golf for months and then just got absolutely smoked outside of beating answer when he had to win. Hey, dude, those guys, when they go to tee it up and they're playing a mano-a-mano, it's a different ball game. And like, you better fucking be at your best because some of those matches, you got to go shoot five, six, seven under. Yeah, yeah, even the same thing I felt like uh, I was shocked by Justin Thomas just getting beat by those – Everyone was saying, oh, he's in, like, the group of death with all these guys who are so good at match play. But at a certain point, like, they won't be that good. And I always feel like these guys who are known to be so good at match play are more just really good players. And that's when it happened. Like, Ian Poulter, I was not expecting him to go and beat Rory. <laughs> do not yeah. – if you're listening, do not go and l- listen to our last episode where we all were like, no chance in the heck yeah. that Ian Poulter makes it out of that group. And, of course, he does. <laughs> What about what about good old Robbie Mack? <laughs> yeah, Robbie McIntyre. What was going on with that? That was impressive, man. Was that going through some, was that, that DJ's DJ's group? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> crazy. Some like massive upsets all around. But, crazy uh, match play. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Nolan. I mean, I was just gonna say match play. 
it just shows how hard it is to predict. But I think it's a very fair um, judge of golf. And the way they set it up with the group stage, you know, they give everyone the chance there and they even give the advantage to the higher seed. So um, I think a very fair way to set up a golf tournament. Some people think it's kind of hokey or something to give a PGA Tour victory for it, but I think it's great. No, I think it, I think this is one of the tougher tournaments to win. You have to play like seven rounds of golf to win it. Obviously, how's this any any easier to win than any other WGC? Some most of the WGCs have a smaller field, don't they? With just the top fifty. I think this one they expand it more because of the whole bracket style play. So yeah, yeah, they have to give it a few more, a few more spots. But I mean, dude, you never know a match play. Like that's that's the thing. Like you can go make a seven, and it doesn't really I mean, it cost you a hole. You know what I mean? It doesn't really cost you three shots or four shots, whatever the hell it is. Okay. So, I mean, that's why I think you see. I'm not saying anyone would have made a seven, but I'm saying like mistakes can be had and like you obviously don't want them but like it's just you're losing a hole you're not losing a shot and so it's I think that's why you see some people sometimes hang around because it's it's different kind of game like you attack a little different and yada yada that's I, I guess I wanted to ask you about that Reed you probably have the most experience of any of us obviously um playing uh, <clears throat> you know, college and, you know, caddying on tour and on the LPGA now. And um, is it – do you try to get into a different mindset when you're playing match play or do you just try to go out and always just play golf and hit to the right spots and keep it the same? Or are you are you playing differently when you get into a match play situation? You know, I think that's a hard – Some people, some people, they play this way, change your game or whatever. I think we lost you for a second. Repeat that last, like, minute. (laughs) Yes. Hey, like, people people sometimes uh, don't understand. Like, match play is a different game, right? So, match play, like, it's a dog-eat-dog. And, like, basically whoever, you know, shoots the lowest score is going to win. Well, I mean, more or less. Like, I mean, if you have have triples in there and whatnot, when you're talking about these guys, you know, and it's – I think you kind of play to who your opponent is. Like, if, if someone – like, if you're playing DJ, you know, he's going to be going at everything and having easy – making five, six birdies around when he's playing well. That's something you got to fucking try to attack. Like, you just – like, you got to expect his best. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and so I think that's the way I kind of look at it. You kind of map out a game plan, you know, in your head of what you want to do and you know different situations on holes and where you can go aggressive and where you can't go aggressive and what pids are touchable and yada, yada. But, I mean, I think in certain instances you have to change your game plan a little bit in match play because it is that kind of format where it's mono e mono. You know, that's it. Yeah, that's definitely that, you know, advantage to maybe going second, approaching the green um, for sure. Seeing seeing what your opponent does and playing off that, you know, you might have not tried to hit an aggressive shot, but maybe they stick it to 10 feet or something. And you're like, well, they're forcing my hand here. I got to at least try to match them. And then the other side of that is, oh, they hit one out in the water and I'm just going to play for par. So, yeah, there's, yeah, I, I totally think you, 
it's a different style of play. But maybe as a golfer, you are just still trying to execute each shot, you know. Yeah, because that's what it seemed like. I thought it would be a huge advantage. I mean, we discussed a lot about how you would think it's, like, intimidating to play Bryson or even Matthew Wolf and always be hitting behind them. But that didn't seem to be the case at all. Like, maybe it also depends on the course where there's not as much risk on some holes or it's hard to tell, like, if you're you know, dead in the water. Yeah, I mean, like, some courses you play, I mean, whether, you know, in any tournament or whatever, some – reward length and you can bomb it out there and some is more of like a windy golf course you know i think you had a little bit of both there but like you know i, I think it's just there, there are places where length is more to an advantage than other courses and that's just the way it is i think austin country club is a great course though i mean it, it's got so many risk reward holes that absolutely i think it's perfect for matter yeah yeah and then uh I guess, uh, is that all we have for this? Because we can move on to a pretty big story in golf outside of the WGC. Joel let me Damon. just let me just say, sorry. Go on, go on. <laughs> Before we move on, did y'all see Sergio's hole-in-one in the yes. playoff? I mean, that's the stuff you, like, dream about. Like, when you're ever, like, talking about other sports and golf, and you're like, man, they don't – no one – you know, it's hard to have like a buzzer beater or something like that, or like a last minute drive touchdown or anything like that. Um, you know, there's always they can make a putt to win it. That happens obviously every time there is a putt to win. Sometimes it's a tap in, sometimes it's a fifteen footer, but like dunking it <laughs> to win the match is the coolest thing. Like on this planet. I mean, yeah, that's... he did not have a good enough reaction. I got to say. <laughs> I know, right? I would have been going crazy. You, like, expected it. And he saved a couple of times. He should have lost that playoff earlier, too. He, like, I think he missed a couple seven-footers. Uh, the other guy missed a couple seven-footers. Yeah. I mean... And he pulls it to win the match. Fucking ace. Yeah, and then has any hole-in-one ever been more overshadowed than Tommy Fleetwood making a hole-in-one? <laughs> yeah you know i didn't even know he made a hole in one until like a couple of days later and i'm like oh wow no mm-hmm. idea. Just went... that i mean good good for sergio i uh you know he made it even to the did he make it two more rounds or just into the he losing the quarters yeah he lost in the quarters of victor perez but i thought we we're you know that's what i had said in our last podcast i was like I think Sergio is going to get far and he's going to have an epic collapse. And I was like, Ooh, we're almost there. You almost did it. Yeah. I wasn't, I, was like, uh, I wasn't able to watch much of the coverage just cause we were on the course a lot of the time, but we, I was definitely paying attention to the bracket and seeing who was moving on, but it was hard for me to watch a whole lot of the golf. The coverage was not great. I must say, especially for the group play, like they were showing and the, like the third day of group play, they were showing like matches that didn't matter over ones that did. I'm like, what are you guys doing? Yeah, I mean, it's been a systemic flaw in golf coverage. They have no idea that whoever's in charge of all of that needs to get fired immediately, and everyone linked to that person needs to get fired immediately, and we just need a full new staff there because they got to figure it out. Facts, facts. Well, how cool, how cool was seeing all those playoffs? So uh, I was watching them kind of on my phone, 
to win the brackets and whatnot. Like that was pretty. Like that's that's like fucking either win this hole or you're done. Uh, that's yeah. that's early. Yeah, love love seeing that. Yeah, well, oh, Horschel, uh, Horschel, oh, give him a, immense credit too. He went into two different sudden death situations: one to get out of his group, and then one against Tommy Fleetwood. Who, when Fleetwood made the bracket, he immediately like became my favorite to win. Um, just, I mean, mem- I can't get it out of my head the buzzsaw that him and Molinari were in the Ryder Cup. Um, a couple of years back, and I was like, oh, this is Fleetwood's chance to finally win on U.S. soil. Um, the only higher-ranking player was Rom at that point, and I was like, Fleetwood's going to get it done, and then he kind of fell apart against Horsell, and the rest is history. Yeah, well, moving on to the uh, the Punta Cana Championship, where friend of the podcast, Gino Benali, he won it with his player, Joel Damon, and Joel hadn't been playing well, really, for the weeks before, which is very off. He's known as a pretty consistent guy, even at his quotes. Like, I'd rather just win a million dollars every year than go and win and be off the tour. And then to just come out like this and win this one, pretty sweet for him, must say. Reed, I don't know uh, I don't know if you've ever played that event. No, no, I've never been there, but I actually sent a, uh, sent a text to Gino congratulating him. They were happier now, man. Good for them. Two really good people. You know, the kindness of hearts, and uh, they they work hard. So it's uh, you know it's fun. It's fun to watch people like that succeed. And he was he was pretty happy. I know they celebrated. Yeah, Joel, I gotta say, based on that celebration, celebrate. there's no one more likely to miss the cut this week than Joel. <laughs> well, yeah. like there's no way. I yeah. think they got straight on a plane or something uh, to go to the next event or something. I don't know what happened, but I, I it was. It was good. It was good to see them win, man. Yeah, Joel, Pacific Northwest native, too. Always cool to see those those guys. He is sixty to one this week. So yeah, I, we'll I love these. Uh, another uh, guy, Grayson Sig. He did. He did really well. Top ten to get into this week. Michael Glidjik, the Canadian. He t- came top four. I sort of like these alternate. Hey, uh, you know who's caddying for Grayson Sig? Yeah, I know. Colton. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. I, oh, yeah, I should have mentioned. I assume people knew. Colton Heisey, the uh, great guy. Sig, I, that guy's got talent. I think he's uh, – He's got a lot of game, too. Yeah, man, for sure. Yeah, so you're going to see him there this week. I actually like Sig to make the cut this week as well. He, he's he's a grinder. He'll do well. Hey, the, the from the back tees bump is, is still kicking, you know. We we obviously had Gino on the pod, and what do you know? They finally get their first win. So, yeah, watch out Dallas for your sick this week. <laughs> but uh, sorry, Nolan. What did you say? Oh, I said uh, Zalatoris. He's next for sure. Yeah. Oh, that yeah. Guy, it's only a matter of time till he wins. But before we get into the PGA Tour event this week, I wanted to get into uh, Reed. He's got as good insight as anyone else. On what's going on in the LPGA. It's the first major of the year, the A inspiration, one of five. And uh, Reed, you're going to be there. Yeah, yeah. We've been on the golf course uh, yesterday and today, you know, coming from the Kia Classic last week out in uh, Carlsbad area. Um, and I, I was, that was maybe one of the hilliest golf courses I've ever been to. Um, it, 
it was literally on the side of a mountain. Uh, but it it was kind of cool because every hole, a lot of them were either straight up or a lot of them were either straight down. You got a few, you know, fairly flat ones in between, but there's a lot of elevation change. Some with something you don't get all the time, and you know there was some shots that were playing down nine, ten yards, and um, you know caught a wave of uh, weather on our first round, first afternoon, rained on us pretty much uh, off and on all day. Struggled, but you know came back and made the cut, uh, birdied a few of our last holes to get and make the cut, and played well on Saturday, and. Um, you know, you missed missed some a few opportunities here and there, but all in all, it was a good week. You know, finished tied for twenty six, I think it was. You know, three events, three made cuts. So hopefully, we can uh, start moving some of that positive energy to getting in the hunt. Yeah, and do do you have any uh, insight for the ANA, like uh, how the course plays? What what type of scores you kind of see usually? You know, it's it's funny because this golf course, it's um, very there's there's some water out there. There's definitely some water, um, but there's a lot of winding through the trees. Fairways are going to be crucial as the uh, the rough's going to be a little thicker and whatnot. The greens will get a little firm. Um, you know, the wind the wind's already been blowing a little bit. It can blow out there. Um, so I think you're you're going to see someone who's been playing some steady golf that kind of pokes it around, puts it in the right place, um, you know, and is right there at the end. I think it's going to be someone that's going to be, you know, just kind of putting the left foot in front of the right foot and just pegging along because it's going to, there's going to be times where you got to, you know, suck it up that you made a bogey and move on. Classic major championship golf, it sounds like. Exactly. Yeah, what, yeah. What's so uh, I guess – a lot of people listening, they're probably not as familiar, obviously, with the LPJ and, like, the different majors. How would you, like – I don't know if there is, like, a comparison between each of the women's majors to the men's majors. No, there's no comparison between this one. I mean, like, this is there one, like a Is there, like, a U.S. Open-type major that's always plays tough? There is a, there is a women's U.S. Open. Um, and then there's the KPMG Women's Championship, uh, which is, like, the PGA Championship, basically. No, no, you made me look – Real sexist when it came off as I knew there was a woman's US Open. I meant more is there like it's one of the majors like always designed to be really tough and play hard, similar to the men's US Open. Is that the women's US Open? Yeah, I mean, it, I think that's just US Opens in general, whether it's even okay. seniors or whatever, you know. But yeah, US Opens usually play pretty tough. Okay. Um, Under the same flag, so they want to be tough. <laughs> that's right. Mighty Almighty. Um, you know, but then you have like the other major. You have uh, the Evian over in um, over in France. You know, and and uh, I guess, and then you have the women's British. So the women's British, I guess, is kind of like the men's British. But I'd say this one and the Evian are a little bit different. You know, in their own ways. Okay, nice. Uh, oh, Nolan, did you have something? Oh, uh, <laughs> okay, so I guess with that, I want to get into the uh, this week. I like this event, but I got to say the field is lacking and it would not surprise me if we get a couple more withdrawals here leading into the Masters, the Valero Texas Open. This is, uh, this course somewhat uh, hits home. You know, Corey Connors, he got his first win here, leading him to greatness, the future path of greatness. He Monday queued into it a year ago, shot 20 under and won. And one of, I feel like this is, it's the most surprising victory in the last year, at least, or last two years. 
for a Monday Q to win. But. Yeah, huge. I mean, it does not get talked about enough. No. <laughs> yeah. And this week, I think uh, JJ Colleen, he's, uh, he's huge on Twitter too. He Monday queued into it, so maybe there will be some uh, – that would blow up golf Twitter, I think, if he won. Totally. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, what, he, what Corey Connors did, and then, like, basically look at where he started from. He didn't have a whole lot of status, per se. I mean, he got into the Monday qualifier and then gets in, wins, and now he's played well enough to where he's got status – that's exactly what Will Will Zalatoris is going to buy. You know, he's been doing. He hasn't won yet, but you know, he's kind of getting in that quick, quick motion where he's been succeeding really quick. I think you're going to start seeing kind of a Will Zalatoris move to a Corey Connors move. I, I like that. So this week, uh, this is something golf fans have probably been waiting for. But Jordan Spieth is the official betting favorite, eleven to wow. one. Crazy. I don't know. I don't agree with it. I think Tony Finau should be the favorite, but I think Spieth is definitely top three, probably top two. I feel like it should be him and Finau. But uh, do you have any information on the course per se? Um, no, no, because it was canceled last year. Remember, because of the true COVID, right? So I've never been there, but um. You know, I, I was kind of doing a little bit of looking at the golf course. and the long course. I know that. 7,500 yeah. yards. It is. It is. And I, uh, I like Aaron Wise. I think he's primed to kind of break out. Um, you know, he's kind of that guy that's sneaky good. Uh, you don't really notice him a whole lot. And then he just kind of pops up there and he's in the hunt. And I think that this kind of field, maybe lacking a little of the top names, and I think he could maybe be one to break out and, but I have yeah. Andrew Landry as a long shot. Um, and I just think that guy hits the ball very well. I think if it gets windy, you want, to, you want a pure ball striker. And I think he's one that you can kind of rely on for that. I like that. One, one question before I get into who I like. I wanted to ask either one of you. Do you think Scotty Scheffler, he's the uh, third biggest favorite, 14-1 to 1 this week. Do you think he's hampered a little bit by the fact he just played seven rounds of golf? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's uh, fair. Very fair point. Like, I don't Although, see how we could come here and just win this event after. Scotty's a young guy, dude. He's not too many too many years removed from college. Um, they play, I mean, you play a lot of golf in college, and he probably hasn't even stopped taper, tapering back that much. I'm sure he practices every single day and grinding all the time. So I, I don't think he's going to lose any gas or anything like that, but – that may be the excuse if he misses a cut. <laughs> yeah, I mean, dude, just think about if you went and played seven rounds of golf. <laughs> I know, I know. And then asked, and then someone asked, or not asked you, but like, yeah, I got to go play seven more. Like, you're going to be like, it, it takes a, it's a long, you know, long days, man. And you're mentally fatigued from getting second place. With right, I mean, it's. And on a normal week, you're not playing seven rounds of golf. But, I mean, I mean, you might. A lot of guys play two practice, two practice rounds, maybe at the most, so six. But, like, a lot of guys play nine holes and then nine holes and kind of keep it light. So, seven rounds of golf is a lot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Nolan, with that, I'll, I'll leave it to you for a pick and a, maybe a, uh, a long shot. Yeah. No, I mean, Scotty's probably played here before TPC San Antonio went to UT. Um 
So he probably, I would think maybe even might take an extra day off being that he probably knows the course. Um, I am going to go Tony Finau this week. <laughs> um, I don't know how many times I've picked Tony Finau. Is that your long shot? <laughs> Good one, Zach. Um, no, but I don't know. I just I want him to win. I want him to get this monkey off his back. Um, and he always seems to play good come, come April and this tournament will be in April. I mean, he's a serious contender at the masters the past few years. So, um, why not? Let's see if Tony Finau can take that mantle, um, as more of a long shot. Um, Phil Mickelson's in the field, not going there. I, I like. Don't hate it in this field. I like Reed's uh, Aaron Wise mention. Um, I, I am oddly big on his game. I'm reading the CBS Golf um, odds here, and put some respect on Joel Damon's name. They're calling him Joey Damon. Come on now, <laughs> <laughs> the guy just won a tournament. Come on. Um, I'm gonna go Ricky Fowler as my long shot. Why not? Oof, I like that. He has to win. He gets into the Masters if he does it. Yeah, it'd be a great story. Okay, for me, uh, my pick to win it, I'm actually decently confident in this pick. A guy who almost beat uh, John Rahm in the group play, it's Ryan Palmer, 26-1. to 1. He has two top six finishes in his last four trips to this event. I mean, he's a birdie maker. He crushes long par fives. He crushes long par fours. I feel like he is a guy who you do not expect to play well because he's sort of been around a while and he's like a late bloomer. And it's like weird to see a guy who you know is someone who like struggled to make cuts five years ago just doing incredibly well. But I really like his chances. I think he's up there with the big guys to win it. Obviously not the name recognition. But uh, for my long shot, it's going to be a guy who had made seven cuts in a row prior to the players where I, I exclude that. It's the players. It's tough. Lots of guys missed the cut. But Andrew Putnam, he came top 10 here three years ago, 30th two years ago, and then obviously last year there was no event. This guy does not make bogeys. Great putter, great off the tee. I think he gives you a good chance. I will be locking him into every single DraftKings lineup. He is surely to miss the cut by like 17 <laughs> shots. I was about to say, man. You just so, curse yourself. He's going to go like two over the first day. The cut line is going to be like four under. And then he's going to go, like, six under on the front nine and then, like, bogey all the last, like, the 18th hole to miss the cut or something. Hey, don't hate on Putty, man. He's a Northwest boy. You got you to gotta give, gotta give him some love. Oh, I'm not hating on him. I'm loving on him. But we need him to do well. Hey, just an update uh, here. Uh, just checking out the UCLA-Michigan score. 27-23 UCLA at halftime. Dude. That was the one – I mean, looking at the Elite Eight uh, matchups, of course, my Oregon State Beavers couldn't pull it off. They were they were down big, man. Hard to recover from that first half. Came back, tied it. Great job doing that. Shout out to Wayne Tinkle and the boys. But UCLA, I was like, USC is not going to be Gonzaga. Gonzaga, and obviously we all saw that. Gonzaga is a force to be reckoned with, but – UCLA, Michigan, yeah, I saw that as being the potential potential one there. So we'll see. 
I think uh, with all the points. If I uh, if I was gonna say, I think uh, when I'm, I was actually talking to Ryan about it, she played at UCLA. Um, and I was like, these guys are good. Like in the Pac-12, was showed some talent, and do you know what I mean? Like UCLA has some shooters, and they're gamers, and they're old timers. You know, from being around, it just they're, you're, they're never just gonna go away when, when they're when they have a half decent team. Funny little stat there: the UCLA Bruins were preseason to win the Pac-12, and the Oregon State Beavers were preseason to get 12th in the Pac-12, and uh, yeah. they both both made it to the Elite Eight. So, when's yeah. the last time they made it to the Elite Eight? Who, Oregon State or UCLA? Yeah, Oregon State. Oregon State, 1982. Were they in the tournament when you were there? What's that? Uh, they they made, made it. The tournament? They didn't make the tournament while I was there. They made it. Oh wait, maybe they did make it. My, I have to check what what year that was. It was when Gary Payton II. second. I think it was when I was there. It might have been my senior year. Are the fans crazy there? Uh, as a Canadian, these are things I only could strive to enjoy. Yeah, I mean, if you want to watch college football, go to the SEC. I mean, let's be honest, it's just insane down there. But you'll get some. You'll get some crazy. Crazy fans wherever you go. Oregon State's what, Pac-12? Yeah, Pac-12. If uh, you guys want to talk teams that are going to maybe come to fruition, Gus Malzahn going to UCF, the old yeah. Auburn coach, that could, that could be dangerous, man, because he's going to be able to recruit school that's it's hard to say no to, man. It's a pretty cool campus. And like, Anytime I think of UCF, I just think of how Reed – and Blake Bortles are like identical twins. <laughs> no way. You and yeah, what do you mean? There's yeah, two, you, there's not two people that look more alike than you and Blake Bortles. That was you handing it off to Latavius Murray. Yeah. <laughs> no Wait, way. How do you say no way to that? You must get that all the time. I've never heard that besides you. You're also like two massive human beings. Right. Very same true. Same hair, same face. You're like twins. <laughs> If Blake Bortles came on the podcast and it was like a prank, we wouldn't even know. It could right. be Blake. It could be Blake right now. You got the light off and all that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just sitting on the patio out here in uh, Palm Springs, man. Yeah, it's just peaceful out here by the mountains. We'll never know. We'll never know. But uh, with that, uh, we got to get to our favorite segment. This one, we got a good one. I Reed brought it up. We're going to draft our the funniest moments in golf history. I say we each draft two. Because there's a lot to choose from. I would like to request from you guys that I get to pick first because I have a good one and I haven't picked first in a while. And I'm just, I would just really like it, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. Wait, wait, Reed. I don't know. We should maybe hold it from him. <laughs> no. Go I ahead. Like All right. With the first pick, this video, it makes me laugh every single time. It is the Keegan Bradley fight with Miguel Angel Jimenez at the match play. <laughs> it had to be. We just had the match play. Those two, Keegan Bradley just like yelling in his face and like lifting up his finger to him, like like to point at him. I'm like, this is like laugh out loud funny. Yeah, that's a good one. There's so many. You know when you go next? Uh, sure, I'll go next. Um, my uh, breadth of knowledge on this is very slim, so... I'll try to get a pick in where I can, but just going from recent memory, um, 
Webb Simpson winning the U.S. Open at, uh, it was in San Francisco, the Olympic Club, I think. And that fan who comes down on the course during the trophy ceremony and, like, is squawking like a bird or something, <laughs> like, right in front of the camera. And Webb Simpson's reaction to it is just golden. And, yeah, I'll throw that in there as uh, one of the funniest moments that I can remember, at least. On to you, Reed. Yeah. Um, I was just looking up to make sure that the score is right. Um, Kevin, uh, I think it was in the Valero, Texas Open. It was either that or maybe the Houston Open, uh, probably a few years back now. He got in the bushes. There was some shrubbery that was right off the middle of the fairway, and he, I think he blocked it right into the bushes. And he gets in there, and he starts hacking at this ball. He eventually ends up – I don't even – you guys have to watch the video. Search it out. But he made a 16 on the hole. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I was just like, I mean, it's got to a point where he just said, like, swinging to swing, not even really looking at it, didn't give a fuck. It was hilarious. I don't know how he even counted his strokes at the end. Like, he acted like he did, but there's no way that was accurate. Right. I don't know. Man, it's, it was funnier now than I, I, I watched it shortly thereafter, maybe even live. I remember laughing. All right, well, the, my, my second pick, this one's also a go-to. This is actually my father, Gary, his favorite video. He always brings it up. I don't know if you guys remember it. It was at the Arnold Palmer, maybe it was four or five years ago, with Cody Gribble tapping the back of the alligator. Yeah, he stole it. He stole it. Oh, you were going to go with that one? Yeah. Wow, I'm shocked. I thought that was going to be, like, under the radar. Yeah, him just tapping the tail of an alligator with, no regard for human life. It's like, this is only a Southern thing to do. That's great. Yeah. I mean, was it an alligator or a crocodile? Alligator. <laughs> I just found that out because when I Googled it, the video says alligator. <laughs> like, I knew it was Cody Gribble, so I typed Cody Gribble, and the first thing that comes up is Cody Gribble alligator. I don't know if Reed, how he wants to be known, but. I think Reed tried teaching us what the difference is, but I. I'm not a great student. Yeah. So. <laughs> Apparently, you guys just don't pay attention to what the difference is between an alligator and a crocodile. God damn it. But the best part about it also, I remember after they interviewed him about it, and he was, like, so shocked why they were even, like, asking him about it. He's like, what do you, what do you mean? He's like, it was just an alligator. Like, just tap it on the thing. He's like, it's in my way. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'd be going the opposite direction. <laughs> yeah. Dude, if you ever get if you ever get stuck stuck with an alligator chasing you, just run zigzags. That's what I hear. Yes. Right. And don't fall down. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess I'll go next then with my second pick. Mine is you know, it's not didn't happen necessarily on a golf course, but created a golf internet sensation all around the world and people started doing this. All, all the time. It is the classic Duffnering. Um, when Jason yes. Duffner was caught at a charity event, um, he went to like a grade school or something. And um, during like some sort of reading time or whatever, they got this great picture of <laughs> him sitting up against the, the wall there and hands at his 
actually his hands were like underneath his butt basically and just slouched over got his good old beer belly hanging out and just a blank expression on his face and you know it went down as duffnering and people were taking photos of duffnering all over the place um so shout out to jason duffner that is a great one I... he's sitting yeah oh. just him like laying there lifeless <laughs> all right Reed. yeah all right i've got the final one here um it's i find it funny because i understand the frustration when you hit a bad golf shot but uh, a couple of years ago, that, there was a video of Fowler, and he blocked one right. And he, he obviously knew it was out of bounds or he was dropping or whatever and pointed right. And you see him kind of smirk and smile and just goes, dead right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. That's that, a good one, too. It's fucking hilarious. I mean, it's, at some point, you just got to chuckle. And you kind of see him chuckle. It's fucking, he makes you laugh. Yeah, that one's just like, uh, he's just thinking like, oh. It is what it is. That one, that one. Can't control that one. Those are, those are always great moments, you know, when the player's, like, signaling their own ball. Like, well, or, what you um, usually get is, like, oh, they look at their wrist or, like, oh, yeah. glove broken. Or I love it when, you know, they, they, they shank it or something and then they're just, like, staring it down. Like, it's a great shot to give it a little club twirl. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what, what should have got picked? Uh, possible uh, – Honorable mention, Terrell Hatton this week. Did his – him just in general. Oh, yeah, that club throw was <laughs> just amazing. Just the launch of the club. <laughs> but, yeah, Hatton needs to be mic'd up every single event. I love that guy. Yeah. He is a fiery human being. Yeah. Well, uh, be- before we end things off, though, I guess we'll, we'll say for the, for the listeners, next week we'll have a special Masters episode for sure. We'll record that Monday, get it out Tuesday morning for all you guys and uh, give you guys our best picks, a longer show, because this week there's not too much to talk about for the Valero Texas Open, if we're being honest. I mean, there isn't, but, uh, you know, I think we, uh, you know, touch base on that and, and, uh, you know. We're going to get some random ass winner. I already know, like, Akshay Bhatia is going to win this event. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He'll play his way right into the Masters. Hey, man, that's life-changing right there, so that's a great story. I hope Ricky wins, but but before we close things off, let's do a little trivia. Got it. Um, yeah, I even uh, prepared this for you. Uh, so we're in Palm Springs. I started doing with LPGA as we're going. It was kind of interesting to find out something around me. But uh, my random facts, Zach, you're going to love it. Uh, with more than 50,000 of these, Greater sorry, greater Palm Springs can boast that it has more what per capita than anywhere else in the country? Heroin. They have 50,000 heroines, Zach? Like what? <laughs> it's not a thing. <laughs> a houses... B roads, C golf carts, or B pools. Oh. D, sorry, D pools. You go, Zach. Cause oh. I feel like I already know this. I was just in pumps. Pools. What are you saying? Pools. 
Yeah, I, I'm going with Zach too. Every single house down there has a pool. Yeah, that is 100% correct. <laughs> yes, we finally got one. Reed could yeah, have nice job, Zach. You know what I was going to – I had I had a couple set of answers here, right? I had a couple set of answers listed out. I could go really hard or really easy. I went with a really easy one just for you guys. I like you're starting to feel bad for us. Yeah. I had I, my other one, my other options, just so you know. You can kind of give me your best guess. Just, you know, pretend you don't know. Water pumps, AC units, golf carts, and pools. Yeah, that would have been harder. Yeah, that, AC, AC units would be good. Yeah, it would have yeah, been AC what, units. That's funny. That's that, hard. That, if, if you look at that place from the air, it's like oh, desert. Fuck. And One every school. Yeah, it's like every single patch of grass is a golf course, and you see every little pool everywhere too. That's crazy. All right, Nolan, we'll let you sign us off here. Yeah, quick and easy for this one. We're going to the Valero Texas Open this week, but you know who's never been to the Valero Texas Open is Tiger Woods. That dude has never played in his professional career the event before the Masters. Every single year he's taken that week off. That's my stat of the week. I guess it's working. Yeah, I guess it is working. Five green jackets. <laughs> I wish I wish we were able we were, we were uh, able to see him this week. See him Me too, a, man. Kind of different. When Tiger's at Augusta, Tiger. Yeah, I know Jack, obviously, and all the greats there, but but our era, Tiger fucking changed that place, and it just is what it is. We could have a quick conversation on that because I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm pretty confident we're going to see Tiger back golfing. Maybe not. Maybe not too soon, but I feel like. If, even if you told me in a year from now, Tiger's golfing competitively, it wouldn't shock me. I don't think it. I mean, yeah, he just he has to learn. Like it's like what he did to his leg, from what I understand, anyways. He basically shattered it. And he's gonna have to learn to like use it again. I mean, got to start crawling, then walking, then running, and then golfing. We really don't have too much information on everything, but hopefully right. we see him back. But I'm confident we will see him in the Masters one day again. Dude, if anyone can do it, it's Tiger Woods, right? Okay. So, I mean, yeah, I hope everything's okay with him, of course, and um, he can live a normal life. But, yeah, we don't – We that's the thing. We know nothing. There has been, like, little to no information shared. So, all we can do is kind of hope right now. Right. Right. All right. With that, well, with that, we'll save that for the Masters talk. But with that, yeah, you guys will be listening to the From the Back Tees podcast, and uh, we'll see you guys Monday. Thank you for listening to From the Back Tees. Toward the hole, and it's in with 30. We hope you enjoyed today's show. For more information and updates, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at From the Back Tees. I'm going to enjoy it for the rest of my life. See you next week. Be the ball, man.